We at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice. Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Sarah Odinson, Jim Two Saints, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Vanadis Blot Githia Goddess who sacrifices Seer Holy One The Sow The Cat Are your animals The Bees your holy messengers. Hail to you, goddess of sweetness and bitters. Hail to you, witch goddess, Sith Kona, Spakona. Hail to you, O holy one. You who showed the way to Othan, you who brokered peace, you who showed the way to Otter, to his ancestors, his lineage, his reward. Hail to you, blessed one, who shares her power, gift for gift, gift for a gift. Hail to you, O holy goddess, Beautiful one, wide-ranging one, you who is without guilt, you who knows your worth, wielder of Brisingamen, help us, help us, help us to develop our magic well, to develop our paths well, to walk our ways well, O Holy One. You, priestess among priestesses, you, Witch among witches, you, sacrificer among sacrificers, you, holy one among holy ones, help us to walk well, help us to speak well, help us to sing well, help us to dance well, help us to see well, help us to do well, O holy one. Whether we are Utaseta sitting out, whether we're meditating or just breathing, whatever it is we are to do, help us. You who shows the way to do well. Hail Freya, let's do heil. 
Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 57. I am Jim Twosnakes, joined, as always, by my good friends and co-hosts, Saren Thodenson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. And how are you both doing tonight? I wrote a blog post today. Yay! <laughs> I did it. We did it. We did I also, it. I also dropped a brick on my toe yesterday, which was delightful. Oh, that's not as good. <laughs> no, I, I almost started cussing quite a bit. And then I realized there's a gentleman in the room next to me who doesn't speak English. So he would have just heard a lot of panic noises. Mm. And I realized I wouldn't be able to explain to him what had happened and that I was actually okay. So I had to bite my tongue and be super quiet as I was in agonizing pain. You have more restraint than I do. Yeah. Yeah. I believe the word fuck left my mouth and then I was like, oh shit. How is your toe today? Uh, it's swollen, but it is not broken. So That's good. Hopefully we'll be better tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that other voice that you hear is our wonderful guest tonight. I'm going to go ahead and bring her aboard. And, and uh, we are glad to welcome back the eminent speaker, champion for Wicca and pagan uh, practices and rights all over the United States and all over the world, the remarkable Phyllis Curate. Welcome back to Around Grandfather Fire. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here it really is <laughs> to this for a long time <laughs> Sarah uh, real quick how are you doing I didn't get a chance to ask real quick oh um I'm doing okay I uh worked a double so I wouldn't get hit for mandatory today and uh Woo! crashed woke up about uh, two hours ago all right so I'm I'm well rested good uh feisty and ready to go yeah pretty much I uh <laughs> been doing a couple of uh, finishing up touches on the blog for this month. I have no more articles to write at the moment. So it's kind of this weird, Oh, I have time to breathe a minute. <laughs> um, I'm finishing up uh, the video that's going to be going up for my, my Patreons finally broke through the uh, funding reward tier. And so I'll be uh, putting out the October video probably today, if not tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And Phyllis, thank you. I wanted to get around to you now. How are you doing? Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I'm I'm doing great. I mean, as better than can be expected, I suppose. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I had uh, an unexpected, well, no, I can't say unexpected. I had uh, a diagnosis of a hole in my heart this summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, great magical story. A lot of magical stories about it, uh, actually. So, But I don't want to take up too much time. But it was a metaphor that I had been using for at least, at least 10 years, a good 10 years, to sort of describe the damage done by thousands of years of separation from the sacred, from, you know, from nature and from one another. And I always, you know, that was the metaphor, that there was a hole in our hearts, in our collective hearts and our individual hearts. Uh, and I, I will talk about it a little bit more, but I spent the last year and a half or so working on this marvelous, marvelous project that's about to come out, uh, which is a new uh, witches tarot deck. And in the course of, we journeyed for every card. I worked with the marvelous oh, wow. 
Danielle Bar- Barlow, British head witch and a terrific illustrator. And we journeyed. Uh, and I'll tell you a little more about that later, but we journeyed for every card. And, and on a number of journeys, the message uh, was just irrefutable and really loud. And it was hole in your heart, hole in your heart. And of course, then when I wrote the text, which I wrote in a very poetic and kind of vision provoking way, um, it came back. It was in the essay, the, the prefatory essay in the book. And then it was in several of the cards. And, uh, you know, it's a great metaphor. Terrific, right? <laughs> it's what I was being told, and it's what the spirits were saying. And, so, oh, but, right? and then I had bizarre symptoms that I've been having for many, many years. And my doctor said to a neurologist, finally. And the neurologist said, you know, you were here three years ago. I had no memory of that, right? Yeah. So I'm sending you for the tests you were supposed to do three years ago because I think you have, wait for it, a hole in your heart. Remembered that he told me that three years ago, and I had completely, you know, said, No, I don't. We all have a hole in our heart. It's a metaphor. You know? Spears were going, <laughs> Yes, yes, it's a great metaphor. Now, you stupid human, right. you actually have. <laughs> exactly. And I finally, so I relented. I went to the test, which were horrifying. Oh, wow. In the spring, we just finished the death. Just finished, right? They're like, No, I need a break. It's like, No, you're going for all these horrible tests. And lo and behold, guess who had a hole in her heart? <laughs> And yes, stupid human, you know, <laughs> how loud do we have to be, you know? And it was like, all right. So we, we uh, I went to cemetery. They fixed the hole in my heart. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, right? Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. It's not just a metaphor. Right. This one is slow. We are in- <laughs> This one is so poetic that she's got to get a literal truth. You know, it's a literal religion. It's one of the few out there, you know. Wow. We tell you whole and all. Oh, wow. So are you oh, doing you're okay doing now? well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am actually Good. doing incredibly well. Good. The symptoms that gave rise to the tests, that gave rise to the diagnosis, uh, and the surgery came back afterwards, which kind of brought me off the high because I was truly on a high afterwards. Um, truly on a high. I just felt a thrill that I'd been basically given longevity, which I probably wasn't going to have. And, uh, and back they came. But the neurologist came up with another theory. <laughs> no holes this time. And uh, I seem to be doing okay. So he gave me a little uh, magnesium oxide, which kind of gives you a nice, you know, chemistry. And and I've been doing some good grounding and breathing practices. And I seem to be, I seem to be okay. So fingers crossed, prayers and offerings made, gratitude in abundance, um, keen sense of mortality and the shortness of time, which personally I never paid attention to. Um, one of the one of the perks of not having children, you know, you notice the wrinkles, but otherwise it's like what? It's a river, you know, it goes on endlessly, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, but now it's like nope, you know, um, uh, matter is according to 
time, gravity, you know, cycles, yes. But if you have something you want to do, uh, attend to it now because, you know, none of us knows how long we have. So I'm immensely grateful to be here and working very hard. And um, I know that I've been given more time because I have more work. This could lead to procrastination, of course. <laughs> you think you're doing a task. You don't really want to get to the end of it, do you? No. <laughs> On the other hand, since you never know when they're going to drop the shoe, you, you know. I figured they're on my side because they've been screaming at me for the last few years, but nonetheless. So I'm good. I actually am I'm better, literally, physically, than I good. have ever been because the hole's been fixed. I'm awake in ways that I uh, haven't been because of facing mortality. Um, I'm working very hard. And I vacillate between the, this enormous kind of bliss I'm reveling in the, the nature's beauty that just seems so much more intense and the sense of presence that I always felt, but now feels very powerful. Um, you know, the scales fall off your eyes, right? But, but I do also feel uh, it vacillates with a real deep, deep concern about what lies ahead for us in the next few months uh, because I, 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 we are where I had seen us headed 20 odd years ago when I started giving a lot of political talks that, that we are uh, looking at um, the pos- the very real possibility of a very real American kind of uh, fascism. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I mean, I know that that's, very specific historical form, Italian, blah, blah, blah. But it's a good, you know, it's a really good word. So that's the word I use. Um, I mean, it's a bad thing, but a good word. And um, very bad thing. And I, that's what we're looking at, to be honest, I, you know, from where I sit. And uh, I'm hopeful that the worst will bring out the best. And people are certainly going to vote. But we're looking at a rabid Republican Party that, you know, the the veil has fallen, the disguise is removed, and the strategy of suppressing the vote is overt, um, blatant. How do you overt when you have ballot boxes that are being installed? And can you imagine? And they, and they admit it and they refuse to take them down. I'm like, yeah. put them in jail. What are you waiting for? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dark moment and the thing that concerns me the most is the ignorance of the people who are supporting this and the rage and the anger. And of course the racism and the potential violence, all of, you know, this dark, dark energy that is surfaced Mm -hmm. Um, regardless of what happens. We're going to have to, we're going to have to find ways of, of conversing and trying to establish common ground. And I think, um, it's certainly a project I'm interested in the future. So that, you know, that reality, those realities, that juxtaposition of coming into an, a reawakened state of high gratitude to be here and super, super, super attentive to the wisdom of Mother Earth, this embodied sacred energy that, that's all around us and that's part of us. And this just this enormous 
constant flow and wellspring of gratitude to be here, to still be alive and to still be here. And on the other side of the scale, this, you know, realistic sense of how bad things are and could be and could be. That's, you know, boom, 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 boom. The the connection to mother is the thing that's, that is, is, uh, that I'm working with a lot and that I'm trying to help other people work with that you, because you need sustenance, you need hope, you need reassurance, you need, uh, courage, you need a sense of your purpose because for me, you're, my strength comes from my has always come from my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need we need those things, and we need that connection, that real rootedness, and that certainty of our intertwining with spirit and with spirit embodied. And that's the thing that's giving me the stamina. But I do a lot of screaming at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I fall. No drinking, point, not drinking, and no drugs. A lot of screaming at the television. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if if I started drinking every time, you know, take a shot when the president says something stupid, I would have liver tox. Oh, you'd be like you'd be, you, you'd be I'd be pickled. Let's be real. All the time. <laughs> but yeah. I mean. Something that you you mentioned earlier that I really like that you put it the way you did was that you said that it's this has come to the surface. You didn't say it didn't exist until now, which is something I've heard a lot of liberals say is, well, you know, it's so shocking. This came out of nowhere. And I'm like, dude, are you, have you shut your eyes and ears to this? This has been been here. This has been here. If you've been paying attention. People have, people are, I mean, I, come from a background my parents were uh, social justice activists my dad was a union organizer in the 1930s my mom gave up her master's degree um, at Columbia in the 1930s to be a community organizer for the NAACP so I grew up and they were blacklisted during the McCarthy period I grew up with this heightened political sensibility Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's characteristic. I'd say just the opposite. You know, I do think that the, your generation, uh, my generation from, I was a little young uh, during the Vietnam war, but you know, we were sensitized by <clears throat> the civil rights movement and the women's movement and the, uh, and the anti-war movement. And then there was this sort of quiet period in between, you know? Um, so I think that a, a lot of liberals, Democrats sort of, even during the Obama administration, went sleep. But this strategy, the strategy of Republican one-party rule has been in place for 40 to 50 years. So people should not be shocked that we've arrived here. You know, they, I don't think they intended Donald Trump was going to be the Frankenstein running, the, the, you know, running the end game of the strategy, but that's the strat- that was the strategy. And to get control of the courts as end game, because if you control the courts, it's the... You know, it's the final stop. You can have Congress, you can have the presidency, but the courts can unmake it all. Mm. And that was their goal. And they, you know, they're they're better at the political game than Democrats. Democrats have been asleep at the wheel. Um, that's a big conversation. But we, this is a strategy that's been long in the implementation. 
it, and they were quite out there about it, but people really weren't paying attention. And, you know, we're an end game. Um, I always kind of say that uh, the thing that people don't realize is like for Democrats, this was uh, this was a political game. It was a matter of picking and choosing and doing things and, and trying to work the system. But for Republicans, this was really a theological war. And so, you know, we're, we're playing, they were playing war and, and Democrats were playing chess. And so guess what? War wins. <laughs> That's the short a, of it. A number of the strategists, you know, said that the, that, you know, the Republicans were bringing a machine gun to the fight and the Democrats were bringing a soup ladle. They were playing and they still are, you know, there's, there's the, the difference in discourse and, and even in the so-called left-wing media, you know, the liberal media, is playing by these the rules of the enlightenment, you know, and the civilized mode of discourse. And that's, you know, they're playing against people who lie and cheat. And, you know, so, which is not to say that's what we have to do, but you have to up your rhetoric, your, your game's got, I think they're doing a good job right now in running the, the democratic, uh, um, you know, the, the presidential campaign and a lot of the senatorial campaigns and 2018 and the, that, upsurge of you know mostly women candidates from right. all walks of life gives me tremendous hope in this um but you know we're yeah let's talk again in a month it's it's right uh, right right the stra- they've got multiple strategies you know the end game is to is to bring this to the supreme court and with this new appointment um you know be be awarded the crown mm-hmm. um and, uh, you know, that's the irony. I mean, you know, the Reichstag voted to become a one-party state. They gave control. I mean, it, you know, they, it, they, you know, there was a lot that was done before that to precipitate that vote. But the Reichstag gave, gave the power to the Nazi party. They used oh. the system to you know, to create a, a, a Nazi system. So yeah, well, let's, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, the Frey Corps today is the Proud Boys and similar white nationalist and white supremacist movements. Absolutely. And as you said, there has been a, a long history of this and, and it's always been there, but it, it, it's been a long time uh, since it's been um, fed and nourished and encouraged and, you know, possibly put to use. Well, and I I think the left has a couple problems also. Like when it comes to candidates, the left has kind of the magical unicorn thinking where it's got to be a matter of the perfect candidate that has no flaws where the Republicans were willing to, it it didn't matter if the candidate was perfect or not. It did it further the agenda. Yeah. Principles be damned. And um, as I pointed out to, to, uh, Reed and, and Ali Valkyrie, the, the left a lot of times is really good at pointing out what's wrong, but really terrible at offering solutions. Yeah. And as an, you know, an all time activist myself, I mean, I started off fighting organized crime and trade unions. I was very active in the, the peace movement in New York and blah, blah, you know, and the left has this, because of this, um, uh, purity, this ideological purity test. Um, it has a long history of tearing it, itself limb from limb. Instead of 
you know, uniting to fight the real battle and the real enemy, which is an enemy. I mean, I don't like that language because I don't consider like my grandpa, who was a Republican, was not my enemy. But now we're not talking about my grandpa, who was a Republican. We're talking about a very different. Right, you're talking a very different Republican Party. It is not my grandpa's Republican Party. Um, But we... I've been I've seen it over and over again, and of course it's easy to exacerbate that. And and in all, you know, during the Vietnam War, the FBI went in and 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 ripped the shit out of the civil rights movement and the anti-war movement. They sent in provocateurs. You could always tell a provocateur. It's the person who's who is urging violence, who's urging things break the law. It's always the most radical person who's invariably the provocateur who's been sent in. And you know, and I'm sure it's happening now. Um, I, they, in fact, they said that in in Portland and Seattle that the, oh yeah they found that it was the you know the, the Boogaloo boys who were actually yep. inciting a lot of the violence because they want to precipitate this race war. Yeah, it's a very know. very dangerous moment. It's a tough time. Um, and the, and what breaks my heart the most is that I suspect that if we could sit down. Not with the Boogaloo boys, forget it. You know? <laughs> but like with my neighbor who who has his Trump sign, you know, and who's a Marine and who's a nice guy and who truly thinks that, you know, he that this is making the country a better place. I don't know if he's racist or not, but if I could like not have to deal with that issue initially, right, and just talk to him about like what's he concerned about and what does he want to see in this country and what is he longing for and what's he afraid of? And that maybe we could start to, to find common ground again. Um, yeah, and rebuild it's a, it's the trust a, that we need. I don't know, but we have to do something. We have to do something. And it's a, it's a matter of being able to open that dialogue, to have a civil conversation. Yeah. Neither party can get heated or angry about it. Exactly right. We have to, remain calm not necessarily calm but understanding of the other person's point of view you know and a lot of the propaganda and I've seen it even on the democrat side and I'm honestly very disappointed in both parties like it makes me sick to my stomach to see them firing at each other through us Mm. you know all these slips in the mail that you get with, you know, vote Trump and the Democrat is going to turn you into slaves. And uh, what was the one that I read this morning? Um, Socialism is slavery and uh, they're going to up your taxes and take your homes and all this stuff. Like the Democrats are going to take everything from you. You're going to get nothing, um, but we can help protect you kind of thing. And I'm like, that is awful this is terrible propaganda like none of this is true well do you remember a few years ago uh the 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 death panels you know that if obama passed there are going to be death panels and your grandma's going to be where'd that go you know but that they this is well this is the part well they haven't gone anywhere we call them insurance companies yeah generally speaking private insurance is where those death panels went yeah but yeah but right exactly but I mean, this is New Gingrich's strategy that started in the eighties, mm-hmm. a little bit that water to to change the the rhetoric that it's no longer a gentleman's you know dispute as it used to be in the Senate, right? But now it's like 
the demonization of the Democratic Party and the language and the accusations and the stuff are, you know, out of somebody's fever nightmare, some satanic right. nightmare. Well, literally, right? What yeah. is the QAnon with the, that they, these people actually believe that there is a satanic pedophilic, uh, I mean, like this, right? Crazy, 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 crazy. So Having been you- alive during the satanic panic, I don't want to relive any of that stuff either. And QAnon at 2.0, because I got to sit down right. with a coworker who is neck deep in that shit uh-huh. and listened to literally six hours because I got hit for mandatory overtime and this guy was in deep with that shit. And it is exactly out of that playbook. Anything that is other, different, whether it's pagans, black people, Everybody's part of this big conspiracy. Jews, oh my God, the anti-Semitism is horrendous. It's not just George Soros. This is like blood libel shit that they're putting back on the Jews. And it's like, guys, if you're not paying attention to this shit, like, I'm not kidding. This is this is the Third Reich all over again. This is exactly the same kind of shit that they threw at Jews just before Kristallnacht. But see, the what they're doing is very, oh, I don't want to call them smart because it's not, they're not smart, but they are. Oh, it's cunning. It is very cunning. It's clever um, because they're targeting people like that guy that you were talking to at work, you know, the guy who's in it that really believes that kind of stuff. And it, it's not an entire nation that has to believe so what I'm worried about is it doesn't matter whether or not Trump wins. If Trump wins, it's going to get worse for sure. But if he loses, it could get violent and scary because they're targeting people like that guy and he's going to lose a shit, you know? Well, and I, I know there's going to be listeners that are like, why are they talking about politics? But it is so interrelated because mm-hmm. Really, the the QAnon, and there's articles about this, about how QAnon has taken a lot of people away from conventional Christianity. Because this is actually a theological battle, and it's not even right-left. There's a theological battle, which we can't ignore as spiritual people. And there's also a class warfare aspect that both parties are part of, and they are... Uh, That's something we can't ignore either is pagans who want to see an earth that continues to be livable for us human beings and not, you know, with all the climate change and everything else. These are things and, you know, pandemics are not going away. We are doing this to ourselves. So there is no way to divorce the spirituality from the politics. It's just that that time is gone. Yeah. I mean, it feels, I mean, ironically, you know, it was sort of, spiritual practice a a number of uh, uh, my community uh, in Italy in particular um, in the course of journeying a number about six years ago uh, several of them called and I had to talk them down off the ledge because their journeys um, saw this rising uh, right-wing fascist movement in in, throughout the world and in Europe and they saw you know, as above, so below, they saw this, this, you know, massing of this dreadful, toxic death cult. Um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, 
you know, right. we've been working towards it for about 50 years now. I, there's a peculiar thing that human beings do with this every, you know, 50, 60, 75 years, there's this spasm of, of uh, dark, violent, putrid stuff that this toxic stuff that comes up to the surface and does this horrific damage. And, and then we sort of recover from it and, you know, make improvements and try to fix what was broken that gave rise to it. And then, you know, not even just humanity in a weird way, because uh, several astrologers have pointed out that the astrological circumstance of 2020 is very similar to hmm. what it was in 1776. Oh, interesting. Oh, evil and, and, and uh, the, the unrest in people and the, the want for change and, and well, yeah. I know there's so. a Pluto Saturn conjunction. Um, with an aspect to Mars that's been going on all year. That's oh, that is similar to what happened in 1929, and a lot of us so far are okay, but a lot of us are not. Um, and and this is the tragedy of all of this is that none of this has to be. You know, this I remember. I remember Joseph Campbell, you know, talking about about this sort of bizarre thing that human beings do. This periodic um, spasming. Um, as a kind of polarity, right? And then it swings to the other. And, and I and I listened and I thought to myself, he's not saying it's okay that we do this. You know, he's saying it's an observation of what we seem, just seem to do. Um, but as he said it, I thought to myself, okay, you know, polarity, that's a part of who we are. That's the spiritual perspective on this, right? That, that polarity is manifest in all things, right? This is part of the dynamic of change and growth and transformation and et cetera. Atoms have it, humans have it, blah, 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 you know, right? The whole deal. But, but do we have to set that polarity where, you know, between like hell and, uh, you know, a, a democratic system? Couldn't it be? Like, <laughs> could the bad end of the poll be like, and liberal politics and the good end be like tribal, you know, the, the, you know, the, the tribal vision of elders and compassion and intertwining and integrity. And how about think- that? How about that poll? Could that be like where we put it? Yeah. Can't we just like scooch the pendulum right. a little bit? <laughs> Let's just scoot. You know, they've scooched it way to the right. It's time to scooch it in the other direction. That's my only hope is that, that, the weird, the, the the weird dynamic of who we are with this polarity is that maybe the worst of who we are will bring forward the best of who we are, mm-hmm. and and from that we'll begin to make the changes that we need to make because because if we don't, we're not going to survive, right? We're not going to survive. Well, and I I think part of the reality there is that the changes aren't going to happen unless we stand up and do something about it. That's right. You know, you, you have to enforce that change for yourself and within yourself in order for it to manifest outside of yourself. Yeah. Um, it's scary. It's terrifying. I'm, I'm legitimately terrified. Um, being a, a woman in this world today, I am legitimately terrified, but that, Fear isn't going to keep me locked in my house. You know, I'm still going to help people. Like the other day I stopped at the gas station. There was a gentleman who had dropped his oil cap down into his engine compartment. 
And I asked him, can I help you fish it out? You know, I have little hands. I can sneak in there and grab it. And I was late for work, but I still stopped to help him. And he, after I fished it out and gave it to him, he thanked me, shook my hand and I wish I had some money for you. It's, it's those moments that you stop and take a minute to help somebody, a a complete stranger who you'll never see again, that's going to change the world. You know, you just have to be kind. Yeah, you do. Sarah, you were going to say something. Well, uh, there's a lot that's kind of in the backlog of my brain right now. Um, I think that these political conversations are important to have because if, if as you've put forward, uh, Phyllis, that Mother Earth is the focus of your mission, then being politically inactive is abandoning your duty to her. Yeah. And equally so, I think that any pagan worth their salt that actually gives a damn about the environment needs to be politically active at this point, because sitting on the sidelines is not a fucking option. Um, Our allies currently in the indigenous communities are suffering incredible harm at inactivity. We, if we are going to call ourselves allies, we cannot be silent between Mauna Kea, the Keatsun XL pipeline, all of it. And those are just ones I can think off the top of my head. The lobster Line fishing. Five. Yes, the right lobster now. fishing with the, yes, yes. Oh, my God. So that is in Nova Scotia, I believe. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, with the Mi'kmaq. Yeah. And, yeah, these, these are things that we cannot be asleep at the wheel about. And we need to engage. And our engagement is going to look different person to person. My engagement may not be your engagement. My engagement today might be I can throw money at the activists. Uh, Maybe my engagement tomorrow is I actually go out and protest. Um, Your mileage may vary. What work you can put forward is valuable. But you need to actually do something. Because sitting on your hands is not the option any longer if you actually give a shit. Do, Do you think that, like thinking of Campbell in that pendulum, do you think, you know, we humans literally have a divided brain. Do you think that we're kind of hardwired for that polarity? Because we even see it in spirituality and we've fallen into this before. Like last episode, we talked a lot about upper world versus lower world for something that a person was dealing with, but as spiritual people, a lot of the spiritual community wants to divorce itself from this middle world all the conversations tend to go lower world or upper world. And a lot of people are ignoring the, the middle world work that needs to be done. And is that something that we're overlooking because of that polarity thinking? It's interesting. The way you framed it is interesting. Um, Yeah, no, I, I think I'm not an expert in it, but you know, from the reading and the listening that um, the, the, uh, psychobiologists and folks, the neurobiologists who are up on all of this um, have come to this conclusion. I'm sure, you know, it'll get revised with time and more research, whatever, but, but there's a, a, a strong interpretation of the human psyche as, as that, as polar, that there are, that there's a quote liberal, that's the vocabulary that we would use, right? There's a liberal um, character, which seems to be hardwired, um, and there's some biochemistry in it, right? And there's a, con- quote, conservative uh, personality type. And uh, there are characteristics of each that the, the liberal tends to be a little more uh, open-minded, tolerant, 
um, when confronted with a new situation, responds with curiosity um, and a certain open-mindedness. Um, and the conservative personality uh, tends to react in a new situation and confronted by new people, by, a, you know, people not of the body, a different tribe with fear uh, and is disposed towards authoritarian leadership, presumably because it makes them feel safe uh, and frequently has issues with cleanliness uh, and purity. That's a big issue. So now you can see how mother nature would create us that way, right? Because you Mm -hmm. need both to survive. There are times when your survival will require you to be courageous and go into a new situation and, and discover, right. And make peace and expand the, the boundaries of the tribe. And other times when you better watch your ass because, you know, the people you're dealing with aren't trustworthy and they're going to, they're going to sneak up behind you. Uh, And you need good leadership to get through a crisis. So you can see how you need both of those, the genius of our, our forefathers and foremothers who are in no small measure influenced by the Iroquois nation in the creation of our constitution and our constitutional system. And they were far from perfect and all the flaws in the system, the assumptions of good character and motivation, you know, that they thought, you know, would compensate for you can't anticipate everything and make rule, you know, right. That so much for that. Um, They created a system that checks and balances to balance against this usurpation of authority, but also that required compromise that within the polos, within the Congress, uh, you know, the house of representatives in the Senate, that compromise was the means by which, progress was made that's dialectical that's not na- that's nature that's a law of nature and a bunch of them were masons so you know they were magicians so you got one side one pole you got the other pole if you want the system to work they have to fuck <laughs> 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 from which you get new life and hopefully oh along well enough that they might actually enjoy it a little bit right Oh so, my God! It's just the thought of Mitch McConnell what? and Nancy Pelosi hooking up is just our nation, oh, one what? towel under God. <laughs> but, but I can see, I can see Sass and maybe Kamala. You know, not Romney, no, not Romney. So you get the concept. I, if I've driven home the point in a graph. You have, you have. <laughs> way. But that's that's the idea, right? That's that's the way nature works. And for me, the all the fuck ups, and I shouldn't use that language, but eh, we're explicit. We're good. Uh, okay, but <laughs> <Come>. last episode, <laughs> not being, uh, not paying attention to how things work, right? So as soon as you get. In nature, as soon as everything gets clogged at one mm-hmm. end of the stream, right? Mm-hmm. When all, when everything gets squirreled away, the system breaks because right. the energy's not moving. It has to move through everything. Everything has to receive life force. The, everything, not you know, the amoeba in my stomach don't need the same amount of food as the mm-hmm. my dog, but right, everything needs to participate in the flow of energy. Everything needs to be nourished. Everything needs to release its waste, which is not waste because it gets recycled. You have to keep the, the 
the energy of life moving. And when it gets clogged, when you have oligarchs, when you have fascists, right? When you have one party rule systems, when you have monopolies, all this stuff, the systems break, the human systems break. You have to have that dynamic of interaction, of exchange, of movement. When you have that, everything works. What Among these neurobiologists, to go back to the, the, that point, which was such a good one, Jim, the neurobiologists say, yes, we have these differences. And, it can, and people, you can feed the uh, hostility, especially, you know, on the side that is prone to fear and authoritarianism. And that's what's been going on for quite a while with Fox. And it's about feeding the fear and then providing the authoritarian reassurance. And so they go that way. The one possibility is to enlarge the size of the tribe. And so for 40 years, the the Democrats, the liberals have been made the enemy. We're the bad guy. So what we have to do is find a way to reframe that we're all Americans, that we're all in this together, that we all want the country to do well, that we all want our neighbor to be healthy and to be well, and to try to find, again, some measure of common ground, some measure of mutual respect, some measure of acceptance is the liberal side saying, you know, that we have to learn how to be tolerant of our differences and find a way of finding the middle ground that in the magical uh ceremonial magical parlance they call the you know the middle pillar the middle path the ritual of the middle path and you know you find it in kabbalah and you find it in in shamanic traditions in our traditions that in one way or another this that you put them together and new life is created Mm -hmm. through the merging of these two streams they come into a new one and a new one comes into being i get your broad point i do and I'm going to push back really hard on this. Here we go. Uh-oh. Because this person told me to my face that anybody who associated with these powers needed to be removed from office or dead. You can't compromise with that. There's no tolerance for that. It's uh, Popper's paradox. You, you, can't, you can't compromise with that. These people want us literally dead. Like, there's no compromising with fascists. So I can be understanding and tolerant all I want, but if they want to put a bullet in my head, you know, I'm queer. I'm pagan. They don't give a shit about me being an American. They want me dead. There's no compromise with that mindset. And so many of the people on the right are, are hitting that now. They are hitting that point now, which is why I'm really concerned about the QAnon conspiracy theories. Even if it's only 5% of the Republican Party, that is a huge amount of people. Yeah. Huge. I think we're seeing, You're right. hopefully, I, I, I hope and pray that what we're seeing is a bit of a sifting process. Because I, so. I think what we're seeing is a lot of the Republicans that are willing to make a compromise or the Republicans that are willing to think of us all as Americans are starting to separate a little bit from the hardcore, uh, the, the authoritarian sort of thinking. And I think we're seeing that because I'm seeing more people who are saying that they're going to, even though they're Republicans for lifelong, they're going to vote for Biden for this election. 
because they need to restore some level of normalcy. So I hope that we're seeing a sifting in that system where we can get back to some level of cooperation. Yeah. And let me, let me be clear. I don't think that all Republicans are fascists. I'm not that kind of extremist, but the problem is, is that the silent majority needs to stop being silent if they don't agree with this shit. So, you know, if you don't agree that pagans need to die and that we're baby murdering, eating demon worshipers, you need to actually speak up. And on the, on the left, you know, put down the purity, purity tests for a minute because we don't have the fucking time. Right. Like you don't have to like Biden. This is not like, you're not, you're not choosing somebody to fuck or marry. You're choosing a <laughs> candidate to stop fascism now. Right. Okay. So can I push back on your pushbacks here? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Let's flip this around to a heathen perspective. Please. You are a dedicated and loving heathen that falls into those categories. Yet you can't eliminate the authoritarian, hateful part of heathenism any more than Christians could eliminate the authoritarian, hateful part of Christianity. Or It's very hard to eliminate those outliers from the body of your system. You can say it, you can preach it, you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. but it is very hard process to actually do that separation. And I think that's a good pushback. My answer to that pushback is that we have uh, organizations such as Heathens Against Hate, individual efforts within heathenry to isolate the problem. We have people who are uh, signing Declaration 127 and encouraging others to do the same. We have folks like myself who I've been a vocal anti-racist since I became a heathen thir- oh my gods, uh, 13, 14 years ago. And yeah, 13 years. Um, <laughs> you know, can we eliminate it? No. But can we marginalize the voice? Yes. Because I may not eliminate the platform, but I don't have to... to um, I may not eliminate every platform that a, a white supremacist gets to speak on, but I can encourage as many people as possible to take the platforms they have out from underneath, underneath their feet. Right. True. Very true. Don't nur- you don't nourish it, you know, and that's the right. problem with this president is that he's nourishing it. He, you know, he's feeding it. If you, if you starve it of oxygen and you don't give it food and you don't give it light, you know, it, it shrinks, it diminishes, it gets smaller. The trick to that, though, is not to ignore it, which is the problem I've had with the Democrats for pretty much the entire time I've been a political person, is that they have sat on this while this has grown and metastasized into what it is now. And this has also been true in heathenry. This is a very valid form of criticism for heathenry because until relatively recently, heathenry did the same damn thing. Yep. Yep. Just look the other way and hope it. It's the broken steer shit we talked with Shan about. Yep. Yep. Uh, Phyllis, I, I, I hate to do this, <laughs> but I would be remiss and a bad host if I didn't say that we've been at this about 50 minutes and we should probably talk about your witch's wisdom tarot. <laughs> <laughs> it fits right in. It fits right in, oddly enough. Oddly enough. I was concerned about it coming out right um, like five days. It's coming out on the 27th of October. And I I called the publisher there at Hay House. And um, it's through uh, uh, 
Hay House UK, which has been my sort of um, um, uh, my guardians uh, and my sponsors back into act, you know, active publishing and work. That was their Michelle Pilly's suggestion that I do this deck. And I said, yeah, you know what's happening here, right? You know, <laughs> I'd speed up this release if I, if you could get it sooner. And she was like, no, we can't. You have to think of it as a counterbalance. And I was like, yeah, it is. But it would be really good if you could get it out to counterbalance. Anyway, so it's coming out on October 27th. Um, and it is counterbalance. Because the fact is that um, we need an antidote. We need... Um, the things that are going to keep us healthy and are going to give us strength and are going to give us nourishment and light and air and water so that we can be strong and we can flourish and we can resist and we can do what's necessary to, to transform this dark period into something fertile, you know, to turn the shit into fertilizer so that something good grows. Yes. that's That's our job. That's our job, right? That's what we do. So at least that's what I do. So, so that's what turns out. That's what the deck is. Um, it's, it's, uh, we, we, I was asked by Michelle if I would like to do a witch's wisdom tarot. And I was thrilled because I've, I've been a tarot reader for as long as I've been a witch. I became a witch because of a tarot reading. At the end of this tarot reading that I had as a young lawyer, a friend took me. My life was all chaotic, and I was taken to have my tarot cards read. Um, and at the end of the tarot reading, I was invited to join. This is a really short version of the story. I was invited to join this women's circle where it was proposed that perhaps I would find what I was looking for. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Here's your money. I, I appreciated the, like, the, the amazing insights that was impossible for her to have that she'd had, but she was a witch. It's like not happening. Um, I was a politically <laughs> active. Yeah. I was fighting organized crime and trade unions. I was not interested in witchcraft. And, and then uh, a short while later, I was led back to it by an irrefutable sign, which is an amazing story that I tell at the beginning of, um, I don't did we talk about it last time about the Libyan symbol? Because that's a really powerful manifestation of magic that happened again in 2014 when I was um, inducted into the Martin Luther King Collegium. And she appeared again. But this figure um, of one of the symbols, the symbol of ISIS, basically, um, so a black symbol appeared uh, and was the sign. She'd been appearing in dreams I'd had when I was in law school and she appeared. It was a statue um, that appeared in uh, the museum when I was trying to figure out what to do. And I went back to this group and I learned how to be a witch and I learned how to read tarot cards. But, and I love them. I love, and they work. And I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of divination because it's a way of, not just seeing the future, it's a way of engaging in dialogue with the divine. For me, actually, it's not just conversation or it's communion because it is the sacred speaking to you. And it is always, I mean, sometimes you don't understand the messages, but always those messages in the end, you know, are clear. 
and are always in your best interest, always in your best interest. So it's a, an incredibly powerful spiritual practice. And I've always treated it as such, not just, you know, should I get married or leave the country? <laughs> you know, the practical side. <laughs> so I, was, I was excited about it because the problem with most tarot cards is that they're virtually all based on the Rider Waite Smith deck, which was created by Waite and Smith, who were members of the Golden Dawn at the turn of the last century. And that was pretty radical for its day. But there's a lot in it that's very problematical. And even witches decks, you know, the witches tarot deck um, is based on the writer deck. And you know, people will take out the devil. They'll take out the hierophant. They'll take, you know, they'll get rid of the churches and the crucifixes and the bodies rising from the grave and judgment. But they still, it's remarkable how much of the cosmology and the assumptions about enlightenment and the, the energy of a spiritual journey remain embedded in the 8 billion cat tarot, super, you know, <laughs> DT comics, which is tarot's. And it, and it always bugged me. It always bugged me. So the chance to do one was thrilling. And I began by journeying and I just said, what do I need to know to create a, a new witch's tarot? And the answer was unambiguous. Begin with the elements, not the symbols, not the, the stuff that modern witches take from the golden dawn of the cup and the pentacle and the, uh, you know, and the sword and the wand. Forget that. Forget the symbols. Go right to the elements. And it turned out that um, the artist, Danielle Barlow, uh, without our ever having spoken, did the same thing. She journeyed and she asked the same question. What do we need to know to create a new witch's tarot? And uh, she was told the same thing. Forget the symbols, start with the elements. So we finally met. We were like, okay, we're doing this. And we journeyed for every card. And it was about two, about 200 journeys by the time we were done epic absolutely epic and fascinating. yeah 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 and in a relatively short time time frame frequently we had the same journey frequently they were they needed to be put together to understand what was being shown and what was being told um sometimes they were very different Sometimes I would journey and then she would journey into mine or she would journey first and I would journey into hers to get the full. Um, We wrote down our journeys, shared them, discussed them, discerned the meaning, picked the image from the experience, the symbols and what was being communicated. She would draw. I would give her feedback. She would draw again, paint. I would write. She would give me feedback. I would. um, And it was extraordinary. And it was just, it was amazing because the principles, the first principles that are what my work is so focused on now were surfacing and she was hearing them. She was hearing the things that I had been shown and, um, and I was getting them again and again. And by the time we finished with the elements, it was just really unambiguous that we were being shown missing parts of ourselves. The elements are not, you can use them as metaphors, but you know, the whole is literal, you know, <laughs> they're not metaphors. They're, you know, 
in they are potent forces of nature with spirit and consciousness and energies and wisdom that we're missing because we've forgotten that we are made of air and water and fire and earth. And the animals and the plants that appeared were teachers to show us who they were and therefore to give us chances to discover things about who we are. Um, it was extraordinary. And at the end, it was just very clear to me that what we were being shown and what we were going to share was the embodiment of the divine. We entered realms of spirit, but we were given the ability to see the sacred embodied in the world of creation. Awesome. And, and that's what we show in the deck. There are no human figures until you get to what is traditionally the court cards. And for us, they were shapeshifters. So they're oh, wow. human, but they're also partly animal and partly plant and very divine and very mythological. They're amazing. There are four messengers who are young. Um, oh God, I have so many stories, so many magic stories about all these, but no time. Four witches who are my favorites. They're incredible. Um, four craftsmen, men who men who are uh, discerning how to work with the elements different than using mm -hmm. to be, to work with taught very different things also about the nature of the elements and the roles that they serve and how we're supposed to work with them rather than using them, which is the old patriarchal mindset and four goddesses, which was interesting. We didn't project anything onto this. We just, you know, asked and were shown. Right. Um, and then and it was like, okay, so this was about the embodiment of the divine by creation and finding the missing parts of ourselves and finding our way to healing and finding our way home. And then we went to the major arcana and it blew my mind. My first journey was not the magician, which is what I thought. It, I was in the world and it was on part of it was on fire. There was a city on fire. And there were figures leaving and going into, um, into, the, into nature, into the world, as it still was, as it's always been and as it still was. And the next journey was this, and in the foreground was a young woman. The, you can see her, the pilgrim, not the fool, the pilgrim, um, with a knapsack, very British, cap on her head, sensible shoes, you know, leaving. And the next one, she's the, there's a crow pulling off her hat and little baby foxes are tearing her pack apart. And there's a badger running off with her boot and she's washing her face. <laughs> and I realized it was judgment, only it wasn't judgment, it was initiation. And then the sun appeared and it was a young black man, more like a boy, teenager, um, with holding his heart in his hands and it was about being wounded and healing and then we went backwards or forwards for us but we were going in the opposite direction of the traditional rider weight smith God, which goes from the magician controlling everything right controlling all of the elements you know, setting his intention and through force of will, controlling everything to manifest. That's where you start and you end up in the world, but the figure of the rider deck, even in, you know, witches decks and 
Robin Wood, which I've used for years, which is a great deck and very innovative, but still is a figure. It's not the world. It's called the world, but there's this figure floating in space, always surrounded by the symbols of the four directions, but they're the symbols of the archangel, right? Mm-hmm. And ours was the opposite. We started in the world, but the world, as it really is, you know, on fire, scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at an image of it. You can see an image preview of the yep. world card on, on Amazon. You can see it. Um, Amazing. And we had quite a conversation because the publisher freaked, Michelle freaked when she saw that. And I had to explain to her um, because by the time I got a chance to discuss it with her, we were enough down the road that I knew what was going on. And it made perfect sense. We went in the opposite direction into initiation to be unmade in order to be reborn. Oh yeah, and the initiation card is amazing too. Isn't it wonderful? They're all taught. And the devil, of course, is gone, replaced by the ancestor. And the hierophant is gone, replaced by the wisdom keeper. The exact opposite energy. The the you would be interested in this. The 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 um hangman, which is a wonderful card, and you know, always makes me think of Odin and the sacrifice, and is gone and is replaced by something called the offering which is the journey that I had where instead of hanging on the world tree and suffering and losing an eye in order to be given inner sight, which is a powerful, potent, wise teaching. But what's missing is the other kind of energy where you are, nor do I demand aught in sacrifice for behold, my love is poured out upon the earth, the feminine energy where you're not asked for sacrifice you're asked for love you're asked to make an offering of the best of who you are to give from your heart not of your pain but your joy your love your gifts and so uh, it it's a an older black man with a little beard pouring the waters of life onto this young tree of life to the energies of it and the tower is gone with the you know the light with the Thor's lightning bolt, you know, or Yahweh's lightning bolt, shattering everything. It's a maze. So you have a similar idea of the loss of control, but the energy is gentle and adventurous. Um, the, the chariot, which is very much about triumph and ego and control, um, is gone and is replaced instead by the journey, which was a transgender figure and the horse together as companions walking into this vast landscape. And it's again, this idea of not of giving over control and of proceeding with trust. And really, this really is the, like the earlier conversation with polarity, this really is the opposite polarity of, of the traditional tarot. This is definitely much more about giving back in your inner journey, as opposed to like this, this thing about control and, and power over. Exactly. And the final, this, the priestess is still there. She is the the very first priestess that I ever encountered, who was the Libyan Sybil and she's black. There's a, a cultural and racial and ethnic diversity in the deck, not, Manipulated, it's simply the teachers as they appeared to us who they were 
Um, and there's a range, a cultural range that goes from the, the Indo-European steppes to the plat to the the plains, that really the plateaus of the Hopi and the Zuni um, in the Americas, to the Sami of uh, the Arctic Circle and down into Africa, uh, primarily European because that's who we are. Um, a lot of British because that's who she is. Uh, a lot of spirits of place, but diversity because that's who we are. Um, and yet. Uh, universal truths, which was very interesting. And in the end, we we come to the council of all beings, which took the the place of the magician. And I I gave Danielle a hard. I was pretty pretty easygoing about her imagery, but when it came to the council of beings, she had like these sort of ghost like figures, and I was like, eh, you got to do it again. You got to do it again. You got to do it again. And finally, like it's like this is my journey. Just you know, and she got it, and it was all beings. It's and it's brilliant. It's this spherical uh, conjoining of spirits and humans and animals and plants and the council of all beings. And it's not Amazing. about control; it's about community. It's about all beings coming together at this time of crisis to save to save our home. And the last figure is the pilgrim. And she takes the place of the fool who is like not looking where they're going and is about to step off a cliff traditionally, you know, and might be saved by a barking dog. Maybe this is (laughs) not that she's clear sighted. She is, uh, she doesn't know what lies ahead, right? The adventure is, to be, yet to be, but she was proceeding with this sense of calm and confidence because she's made this initiatory journey into life, into the world, into creation, and has come to learn the lesson that that we've all forgotten and that we need to relearn, that we are, in fact, supported and sustained there is Mother Earth beneath our feet. You know, there is a starry heaven above us. Everything we need to make our journeys of life to be sustained and nourished and supported is ever present. All we need to do is be open hearted, you know, give back in kind for what we are given. If we do, there's, there'll always be enough for everyone. Um, and, and to be open to the lessons of life that are waiting for us and to do it with that um, gentleness of spirit, that That's sense really of being supported. So it doesn't take the place of the writer deck because there's plenty of wisdom and plenty of value. But what was missing was which is wisdom. Um, was this idea of embodiment of the divine as an, as an embodied truth that is what we are meant to in the time that we have while we're here is the essence of the journey that we're supposed to make in doing that. Then maybe we can begin, not me cause I'll be gone, but maybe you guys, cause you're younger. will will make the next round of the spiral of the journey of trying to discover why we're here. What's our purpose? The amoeba in my stomach know what their purpose is. My dog is out there barking. 
you know, she knows what her purpose is. The question of what the purpose of humanity is, what's our role? What is our place? All things make the world in which they live better for all life. That's the organizing principle of creation, of this creation anywhere where we are, this miraculous embodied sacred holy mother earth, this place that we are part of. The way the central organizing principle is that when each part of it is taking care of itself, water, earth, amoeba, dog, oak tree, all of it, taking care of itself, taking care, being well, you know, being well. In doing so, it turns out that the effect of that is to make the world in which amoeba, me, and dog, right, the, the tree, when they're taking care of themselves, they're making the world in which they live better for all life. That's the way it works. To me, proof of, of the divinity of creation. That's it. That's because what, is there anything better? Can you come up with a better way to organize everything? No. I, I, this deck, right? This so, deck looks really amazing. It does. I, I'm looking at the artwork and just... I can see the appeal for this because so many, like you said, so many tarot cards or decks are based off the rider weight and the Oracle cards tend to go a totally different direction. And are a lot of times they're not quite as structured where this has a, a real structure to it that is familiar enough to, to people who are, are working with the tarot, but it's, it's got a really different energy and approach to it. So I can see where there's a different set of wisdom in there and, you know, People like us who do a lot of readings, you know, you want to have different decks that have different energies because they're needed for different situations. So I can really see where this is a big value. I hope yeah. so. I'm what? super okay. excited. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm super excited because I am tarot blind. I cannot read tarot. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure it out. But I am 100% going to get your deck because just looking at the images, it was kind of inciting thoughts and it was kind of pulling me in. And especially the mm -hmm. uh, Council of Beings card, when I saw that, I was like, yes. Oh, my God. Thank, thank you. It is such a beautiful card. And I mean, I might buy the deck just simply for that card alone, <laughs> to be totally well, honest. But. I, I do have to point out, Caitlin, that that uh, the number one card, the world card, that looks like you out there hiking. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to have to relook at that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got stuck on the, the Council of Beings card. So. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, we did it. We were like, uh, yeah, but... Will you be able to tell whether you should get married or leave the country? You know, yeah, we right, right. what we were shown. We were trusted what we were told needed to be known. Her, Danielle's job was show. Mine was explain. Yeah. And, um, but would it work? But I've been using it for about a month now uh, with readings for people and it's working. And it's fascinating because it has that very explicit practical uh, very and and I wrote the text so the, the first part text is in four sections the first is wisdom and it's very visionary and poetic and vision provoking it's like a it's like a, 
a snapshot, a moment in the journey. So you enter the journey. Um, and then there is an essence, which is the traditional way that most tarot decks, you know, like uh, uh, happiness, uh, the sunshine, you know, that kind of, right? The, 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 the string of words. Uh, and then there's a council, which is very practical, spiritual, but very practical advice that, look, this is what this deck means in your life. This card means in your life. This is the message. This is what you're being told by the spirit of this card to do. And then there's a little magic. And it, the magic is ranges from like a classic Devonshire old invocation of pixies to Zen, you know, to no, I'm not going to tell you, you know, because you have to find out the magic of courage by finding your courage. I can't tell you what to do. Um, so there's a range of, and you know, potions and not potions. Um, there's a real range, but the, the context, it has immediate practical use, thank goodness, but it also has this bigger context. So my sense, and from what I'm hearing from the people who've gotten the deck, because we feed, you know, we seeded a few decks out into the world um, and have been getting feedback from people, that the practical answer comes in within a framework of a greater purpose. And from that comes a deeper inspiration so that people can confront a momentary crisis, um, challenge, question, but understand it, understand themselves in, within a larger framework, a framework that sees their life as um, having deep meaning and true purpose and real value um, in a context that's sacred and um, that their life is, a, is the journey, is a magic, is a, you know, a journey in pursuit of their own magic and the reason that they're here. Um, and so far, so good. <laughs> I haven't been able to do a, a, a Celtic cross with it. But it has its own way of reading. It works beautifully with a single card pull or a three card pull. Works great with a five card. And uh, this, I was shown something called a compass rose. I gave the complex, oh, right. which is uh, can be done as a reading or a spell. Mm. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'm thrilled because it was such <laughs> a it was a, a real life changing adventure and certainly the when we did the majors within in 21 days danielle was wow. told to do one day wow. and i wow. i did wow. several a day and then took a break and then did several a day but we did them all in 21 wow. days it was like being in a permanently altered state yeah i oh, bet jeez yeah. yeah so I, for those that are curious real quick for caitlin i, I want to throw out there uh the deck is available for pre-order comes out October 27th. You can get it on Penguin Random House. You can get it on Amazon, add it to your wish list for your holidays. So anybody that wants to buy you a gift. And most amusingly to me, it's also on walmart.com. <laughs> <laughs> but don't think for a long time we're everywhere. <laughs> and you know it's true when you're in Walmart. Walmart. That's right. <laughs> please, please, please don't order from Walmart. It's no, no, don't. I'm not encouraging you ordering from there. I'm just no. amused by it. It's That's just all. funny that it's there. Yes. Um, but I, I, I know we're 
actually over time now, but I wanted to say this really quick because it kind of goes off of something that Jim had mentioned earlier. Um, but I feel like this deck is really going to challenge people to be within this middle world and kind of begin to heal the wounds that are being, that have been and are continuously being created that are forcing people into the upper and lower worlds instead of focusing on the magic that is here. Because when I look at these cards, that's what it incites in me. This is mother earth magic. This doesn't have anything to do much with upper lower world stuff. This is middle ground. Like this is here. This is humanity. This is the the magic that is going on right here below your feet. I I spent 20 years journeying upper lower, uh, you know, and all of it exquisite and incredibly important, especially for me as a hyper-rationalist, that, that there were realms of spirit and that it was accessible to us, which is, of course, not what our culture tells us. Of course. Um, until you're dead, right? So that was so empowering. And to discover that it was an objective reality, that was the importance of working with other people and the great value of having a companion in this project with Danielle, that there was this affirmation of experience. But the greatest gift, and it, 20 years ago, so that's after 20 years of journeying, about 20 years ago, the, the revelation for me was to realize that the real, the greatest gift, because I am embodied, the greatest gift was the, the gift of sight to come back from realms of spirit with, with yes, healing and yes, you know, astonishing thing. But the greatest gift was the ability to see the sacred embodied by creation, by this world, by Mother Earth, by all of us, by each of us. Extraordinary. The divine, right? Light. Is it a particle or a wave? Yes. Yeah. The divine. Is it spirit? Is, right? is it energy or embodiment? The answer is yes. Yeah. The, that duality is false. That's the old model. And to live in a world that's truly sacred, that's where the magic comes from. That's where the magic comes from. And my experiences since that realization, it's exactly what you were saying. You know, it is this world and this is the world that is suffering. And this is the world, you know, that we have to rediscover. We have to come home to it as a sacred world and learn how to live in it rightly. And then the magic will flow. Well, I mean, to go back to those cards, I, I keep, you know, I, obviously I like the, the imagery, but your, your first card is literally the world on fire. What are you going to do? This is like the, the, the entire summary of the deck is the way I see it. Yeah. 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 The world's on fire, but not all of it. Just the parts that have been done wrong. Yeah. So before the whole world is on fire, come home and learn how to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And we can. I mean, that's what, honestly, I think that that's why this movement has grown so rapidly. But, you know, mm-hmm. I've met a lot of young witches in the last whatever, you know, two years since becoming public again. And I recognize their journeys in the one that I made 40 years ago, that they're drawn by magic. They're drawn by the discovery of the goddess that, that of entering these extraordinary realms of spirit and discovering the reality there. Um, the possibilities of working with that kind of energy to manifest, a, you know, a, a wonderful life. Um, 
And those magics are really important. They're a little erratic. They don't work quite as right. They work in it's a, really like it's friend. really amazing. I mean, we talked about we talked about year for years about how paganism and witchcraft were the fastest growing religions. But I personally uh, have been amazed at social media as how some of the witchcraft and paganism hashtags are taking over with millions of followers and like. Every day, there's new 14, 16, 18-year-olds that are discovering their, their pagan or their Wiccan interests for the very first time. And it's just like, it's amazing. I think that in our culture, especially here in North America, there's such a hunger for some sort of real and authentic connection to spirit yeah. that the demand is just amazing. Yeah. and But now we have to help those of us who are older. And a little wiser, little have to help them go from the small magic, which is deeply important because it's personal, to the great magic, which is you know the magic of creation, the magic that we're called to, the summoning that we're. There's a reason that they're called. You know, they think it's this. Okay, is that? But really, you know, it's all the adventure is a whole lot bigger than you thought, Luke. It's Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what but truly, right? They are called to the great to the great cause now, the great magic. Great work. I just wanted to go to Tahashi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your tours are done. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't get scared and run home to mommy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay if they run home to mommy. It's just the right. right. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, I'm so looking forward to seeing here. this deck. Oh, thank you. I, you're so kind and so professional. That was very, that was very like, you know, big uh, New York radio market. The way you did that, like was really professional. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Don't tell anybody. I'm just... oh, no. This is why he's the lead co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and you have your, you know, you have, you know, your, 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 not your sidekicks, your, what, your wingman and your. Hey, wingman. look, I, I will happily be a sidekick on this show. It was a joy, and I really, you, you guys are really kind. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I, it was. Wonderful to have a creative project. I, it's, as it's written very differently. You're looking first at the images, of course, which is the first, that's the way you go into a deck. Um, because so many of the images are natural imagery, I know people will need the text to fully understand what's going on. Um, and when, I, when they get there, I hope they're going to really like what they find because it's not, uh, just like the deck is not your typical deck, the writing is not the typical writing that goes with a deck. It's very magical and invocatory, and I hope it works. I hope it precipitates that it activates a lot of magic for them. Um, and I, I'm psyched. I'm ready to go on to the next project now. I, um, but I'm doing a lot of teaching. About <laughs> Isn't that how it works too? Like, right. Oh my gosh! I'm finally done. What what new projects? Excuse me. You said what now? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, like how I got thrown under the freaking bus last episode? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh-huh. Shove it. <laughs> Would you like to be more explicit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> oh no, no, he got the explicit message a few days ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you guys are great. So this is number fifty-seven. That means you've been doing this yeah. for more than a year. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we're on oh, like yeah. what a season third two, year, fourth year. Yeah. So well, this is season two. We'll start season three in January. Yeah, but we kind of cheated on season one because it went like two and a half years. So yeah, it <laughs> that's did. true. You know. This will be season four come uh, mm-hmm. next season. And you will year four. Have you been doing this for year four together for four years? I'm on a year and a half with these guys. These guys yeah. have been going a lot longer than I have. Wow. Amazing. And you still love each other. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. still give each other hell every, every episode. Absolutely. It's great. It, it's like I was saying earlier, you have to be mm-hmm. able to have disputes with one another, but not get angry. Mm-hmm. Like you're allowed to disagree as humans. It's part of human nature. You just so I was so I guess, at the end. It, so I was gonna say it's been about two and a little over two and a half years. Uh, yep. well, almost two and a half. First episode was August eighth, two thousand eighteen. Wow. Yeesh. Wow, wow, wow. But that's not counting the podcast we had before this, Sarah. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jaguar and the Owl went on for a while. Yep. But Phyllis, I'm glad to able to talk to you again because i think actually your episode was the first one with me ever so that was my first episode on the podcast i think my god i think you might be right oh that's lovely or you were my first guest i think because i think we did a introductory one with me right right where you guys brought me on but you were the first first guest guest. i talked to oh you poor thing because I don't. It was worse two years ago. <laughs> no, you were. I was so scared and intimidated, but by the end of the interview, I was like, "She's amazing. I love her." You know, when we met, uh, Phyllis, when you and I met at, at Pagan Fest, it was just like instant connection. It's like I yeah. think I've known this person for years. Wait, <laughs> how'd that happen? Well, you know, yeah, birds of a feather. <laughs> They, you know, and it could be a past life. I was like, which of us is apologizing to who on that one? That's the- <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Well, we've we've taken so much of your evening up. I don't want to tell no, you up too lovely. much longer. Thank you lovely. so much for so joining after, us. One more time. After you get Dex, I want you to tell me what what happened with that. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get one, uh, I think I do readings for my Patreon supporters. So I'll be switching over and trying those for a while since oh. I've been using the, the Starman Tarot right now. But I'll probably switch over and use yours for a while and see what the results look like. Ooh. Patreon supporters. So that'll be nice. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the, ooh very interesting. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Good. I I I keep doing reading. I've been doing uh, a certain number of readings for consultations or readings, however you know it works. But I've been trying to do uh, a certain number every week for for people who for free or you know whatever they can pay for people who've lost their jobs for people, and it's been tough out there. It's really really tough out there. Um, I know we're going to get through this though. I know. I mean, what's tragic is that it's taking so long for us to get through this, that it didn't have to be like this, 
um, that it could have been easier on everyone and a lot less people had to die. It's extremely important. You know, I'm in New York. We went through the worst of it first. And it's much better now because we did everything the right way. Um, and even here, we're having, you know, little outbreaks here and there. But because everybody's continuing to be careful, we're able to sort of get a, a grip on it. But you got to wear a mask. You got to social distance. Um, you got to be kind to one another, as you were saying, my dear. Um, and... Uh, you know, we will, we'll get through this. We've gotten through worse. Um, and, you know, nobody's being asked to, to go fight the Nazis in Germany. <laughs> Just yep. Milwaukee, Portland, Seattle. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we can do this. You know, we can, we can do this together. We can do this. We can definitely do this. And one of the blessings, the odd blessings, and then I will say good night and, le- and let you guys get on with your evening is that, there is always, you know, there are always chances to learn incredibly valuable things when the, when the challenges are the worst, the lessons can be the most profound, the most amazing. Right. And one of the gifts of being trapped in our houses and isolated from one another is that when we get outside, you know, when you can get out there and just breathe the fresh air and feel the sun on your skin and walk in the rain and take a walk in the park or the woods or sit in your garden or whatever it is, the sense of gratitude, of connection, of value, of being in nature, even a little bit of it is so intense and it's not to be overlooked. It's something that we need to really pay careful attention to because it's probably the single most important thing that we need right now is the rediscovery of that relationship. Everything we need is there. Everything we need is there. Every, all the lessons that we need, all the sustenance, literal practical sustenance and all the spiritual sustenance we need is right there. We just have to in, give ourselves to it and, and engage with it. And the odd blessing of this peculiar thing is that for those of us who are aware that that awareness is really going to be heightened and we're going to be able to help other people with it. And I know, cause that's, you know, I really put myself to that task the last six months. And I, I know that I know that the gifts that we have um, are of value to other people. I know it. So, uh, and you guys are enormously uh, real gifts for me. I'm, I'm very grateful to have spent this time with you. I really am. Thank you very much. No, we're, we're grateful as well. Thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate Enjoy. it. And hey, you know, have you back for season three. It'll be great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we can or talk season, about your next. Whatever your next big project is. <laughs> or season two and a half. We can do two There we go. I'm good with that. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support so much. And we'll talk to you next time around the fire.